How many of you moms here this morning, and I'm gonna, you're going to show your age a little bit, okay? It's okay. How many of you are moms here this morning that when you had children, you had no idea if it was going to be a boy or a girl because the technology wasn't advanced? Okay, got a lot of old moms here. Wow. I'm just seeing if you're awake. How many of you now, how many, how many of you moms knew exactly what you're having because of modern technology? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you didn't want to know? Even if you could know, you didn't want to know the, the, the sex of the child. Okay, some, see, the modern mom, the modern mom, most of them want to know if it's a boy or a girl. So they can be prepared. So they can have the right clothes, the right color of clothes. They can have the right paint for the room. Have the right kind of furniture, if it's going to be frilly or if it's going to be a, a, a NASCAR bed, you know? They, they need to know, so they want to be prepared for these children. And so, God, we, we prepare for a lot of things in life. How many of you have gone to school and they told you you were going to have a test on Friday and you knew that if you were going to pass the test, you needed to prepare for the test? Now, you could deny it. You could deny that the, there wasn't going to be a test, but there, if he said there was going to be a test, normally there was a test, Right? I, I never did like those pop quizzes. You can't prepare for a pop quiz. You know, except you can be prepared for a pop quiz if you've been paying attention in class. That's, that's what this is a sermon. I didn't get that till now. Jesus coming back is a pop quiz. Kind of. We know he's preparing us if we're listening and if we're watching, he's preparing us, but he's going to, boop, it's going to happen. And if you're not listening and paying attention, he might not just come to you the week before and say, Hey, Earl, I'm coming back Friday. Friday ain't going to do that. So he wants us to be prepared. See, we get prepared for things in the natural all the time. We do. We just get prepared. We are preparation kind of people. I mean, even the Boy Scouts say their motto is be prepared. We want to be prepared for whatever's going to come our way. But listen, the Bible teaches us there's a more important way to be prepared, and that's in the spiritual realm. So if we're not prepared in the spiritual realm, all this physical stuff, it's going to blow away. It's going to burn up. It's going to go away. And what really counts is what we have been prepared for in our spirit man. So today, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and then look at, uh, hold it there, and then flip over to 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to do uh, some companion uh, scriptures today that you'll see. What Jesus addressed them with in Acts is also going to be what Paul addresses and, and to the, Thess- the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, Jesus, listen, don't you know the last words that somebody speak are very important? They're really important. Uh, that's why they call it the last will and testament. Those things that people really want people to know. And Jesus had a last, a, a la- he had some last words for his disciples before he ascended. And they're found in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 through 8. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, asked Jesus, said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were expecting Jesus to do something then about the restoration of Israel. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, he said, I don't know the day or the hour. Even the angels don't know, but the Father does. Okay? But you shall, then he, he, these are his last words. I think this is important. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, say upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth or the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to be witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he says that to be prepared for what's coming, you need to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. 
We talked about that last week. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about it on Pentecost Sunday. Are y'all ready for Pentecost Sunday, May 24th? Woo! Are y'all ready for May 24th? It's Pentecost Sunday coming. Woo! Yeah. I really, I want you, if you got a trip planned, just cancel it. This is going to be, it's, it's more important than, the Resurrection Sunday is important. But listen, this is the beginning of the church age. And I'm not saying it's happening and it's already happened, but I want us to celebrate it like we celebrate the resurrection. I want this, I want it to look like this, both services. I hope we're having to bring your chairs in and have the overflow room because people are going to, they're getting excited about what Jesus is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I think the more and more of you that are getting it, receiving it, and walking in it, living in it, you're going, to be, you're going to see signs and wonders and miracles happen around you. You're going to see the atmosphere change in your job situations, in, in your family situations, because you're going to know the authority that you have and by the power of the Spirit, and things are going to start changing for you. And once you, when those things start changing, you're going to tell people about them. And when they hear the testimony of the saints, listen, things are going to start changing for more and more and more and more of you. Amen? Okay. So Jesus' last words, we know what they were. Then, then it says in verse 9, Now when he, Jesus, had spoken these things, when he told them what he, was, what he was preparing them for, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. I think that's one of the coolest things I've ever read in the Bible. Jesus went, right? I mean, look, if, if I was here this morning and I was preaching to you guys, there was no wires and nothing behind me, and I started coming up. I went through the ceiling. What would most of you do? Grab my feet? <laughs> uh, that wasn't the right answer. You know, I always say there's no wrong answers. That was the wrong answer. I think most of you would run outside to see if I went through the roof. Some of you technically-minded people would have pulled the ceiling tiles apart to see if I was stuck up in between. Right? There's like six feet of space between here and the ceiling and the, and the roof. But this is what Jesus did. It says, as they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I just now noticed it. it didn't say angels. It just says two men, white apparel. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven well, so come in like manner as you saw him going to heaven. Now, I just got to address, if these are angels, which don't you assume these are angels or just guys that like white clothes, you know? Two men in white said, why are you look? Here's the, and I don't want to downplay angels, but I think sometimes angels said things that I wouldn't have understood either. If I'm watching somebody for the first time ever in my life go up, and defying gravity, and somebody says, why are you looking up? I would look at them and go, duh. What do you mean, what am I looking up? Are, are you serious? You're asking me why am I gazing up into heaven? Have you See, angels, I guess they fly a lot, so it's not a big deal to them. But to me, it would have been a big deal to see somebody fly, go up into a cloud and just disappear. I mean, I'd be, I'd be looking, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. I mean, the angels, they showed up at the tomb, and they're coming there to take care of Jesus' body, and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And they're thinking, well, he's dead, right? They're responding, well, what do you mean why I'm looking for the living among the dead? He, we're coming to take care of his body. They show up on the night when, the, when uh, they're announcing Jesus' birth. They, they're shepherds out 
just taking care of some of their sheep. They're just trying, they're taking care of some of their sheep. And these angels show up and they say, don't be afraid. Like, really? Would you? I'm just telling you. And Jesus, the, the disciples are going through some shell shock in here. First of all, they find out that Jesus really isn't dead, that he is alive. Then they're in some, they're in this room that's locked doors. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. They know he had to come through the wall somehow. And they're, they're like, wow, that Jesus is here. He peers to two guys walking on the road to Emmaus out of nowhere, and then he disappears again. He shows up on by the Sea of, Ga- uh, the sea of Galilee, and he's broiling fish for breakfast. I mean, he, these guys were like, what, in, what is going on? And then now he's leaving us, and he's going up into the sky. See, I, I, think, I think like these guys, I think, man, that's a lot to take in in a few days, wouldn't you say? It's a lot to take in. And so the, these men in white are saying, why do you gaze in heaven? They said, Jesus is coming back just the way you saw him leave. He's coming back, church, just the way he left. He's coming back in the sky. And now there are a lot of different theologies about how all of this is going to happen, but I want us to address some things that Paul was addressing in 1 Thessalonians 4. And we'll talk a little bit about the rapture this morning and about the promise about Jesus' second coming. But all of this is not to uh, overlook the fact that we're supposed to be ready for him to be in us and live in us and through us in this day and age right now today. Okay? You can get your eyes up there. You can love his appearing. You can wait for him to come back. You can stay. See, I think when they said that he's coming back the same way he left, it didn't say even what day he was coming back. So I'm thinking they're gathering in the upper room, all 120 of them or so, and every time somebody had to leave to go to the bathroom. Or go out to get some food. Or whatever they had to go to do. They walked outside the upper room and they, they probably did this. Wow. I wonder if he's coming back today. Right? They didn't know. How many of you expect Jesus to come back this year? How many of you are thinking because of prophecy? Well, how many of you really, because of the blood moons, all the teachings that you hear in Jonathan Kahn? Uh, about uh, the Shemitah and, and uh, all these things that are happening. Uh, how many of you believe that it's really, really possible? Well, that's not, that's not even a good way to ask it. How many of you think he's coming back in 2015? Okay, you could. How many of you think he's coming back next week? How many of you think he's coming back today? It could. That's such a, yeah, a cop-out answer. See, we think, we think, well, he's coming. But I guarantee you, not many of you woke up this morning thinking this could be the day. Honestly, how many of you had that thought this morning? This could be the day that Jesus comes back. See, we're supposed to be so prepared for his coming that we are recognizing that any moment of any time, we should be living our life in a way that such, so pleases Him. And it's so, so about the Father's business that even those thoughts when we think He could be coming back today should be there in our minds a lot of the time. Okay? It's, there's a crown of life. There's a crown just that's prepared for those who, the Bible says, love His appearing. They just can't wait for Him to come back. And I think sometimes we forget to even teach. I think even from this pulpit, I forget to teach and preach that he is coming back. And it's important that we are ready for his return. Amen. So here's here's these guys, uh, the church at Thessalonica, and, and they're asking Paul this question. Well, Paul, 
He hadn't come back yet. And, and some of these people that you preach to, Paul, they're dead. They, they've died. And, and what's going to happen to them if they're in the grave and Jesus finally comes back while we're here? And what's going to happen, Paul? And so Paul addresses that. Verse 13, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or have died. I like the term fallen asleep because it, it suggests that we wake up again. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring, him with, bring, with, will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. They were like questioning, Shh, what is he coming? what's going to happen to my dead relatives? Are they going to miss out on the second coming? Okay? For the Lord himself, this is Paul, for the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout. I wonder what that's going to sound like. And with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. How is that going to happen? Think about that. You ever think about it, Clarice? How's that going to look? You say, I got to thinking about this. I thought, man, it's going to look like a West Texas dust storm. <laughs> Most everybody that's died and gone to the ground is going to be in dust, right? And I'm thinking, well, if we're all dust, we've all died, or all the people that have died have gone to, have, they're in the ground, and when Jesus calls, when the trumpet sounds, we're going to have a dust storm. It's going to be instantaneous dust storm, but everybody says we're going to be caught up with them in a twinkling of an eye. So all this dust is going to go up, and that's in my estimation. And so how is that going to happen? Can, what can Jesus, what can God do with a bunch of dust? <clears throat> I think that's how we were created, right? He just took a little dirt, put it together. See, I think he's going to put us back together with our glorified body. I think this is what I, this is just me, and man, you, we can talk and argue theology and all that, but it don't matter to me. The thing about it is this. I believe that our spirit man, when we die, goes to be with the Lord. I believe Scripture ver- verifies that, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I think our physical body goes in the ground or wherever it's put. If it's, in, if it's incinerated or whatever, I believe our physical body stays here. Okay? So... When we rise up to meet him, I believe that our spirit man is already with Jesus. And I believe he resurrects, he brings that up. Our our bodies that are in in the dirt, whatever they look like, when they come up, he takes our our spirit man and puts it with our glorified body. That's what I believe. That's the only way I can kind of wrap my brain around all of the scriptures that talk about this second coming. The bottom line is this. Jesus has got it figured out even if we don't. Amen? You can try to figure it all out. And, man, you can, you can say, well, Pastor, we need to talk. Because I, I think after the first service, people are going to want to talk to me about it. I'm not a theologian. I, I'm not. I love to study about end times. I love to, I love to study about Jesus coming back. But at the bottom, in the end of it all, I believe Jesus has it figured out. And what he's asked us to do is put our faith and our trust in him and trust him with the results. The same way when we pray for people that need healing. We, we really put our faith and trust in him. We're not putting our faith in these people. We're really not putting that much faith in ourselves. We just have to trust him that he's going to do it. And when he does it, it's going to be perfect. 
So in the end, when we talk about this preparation for the second coming, we can have questions. It's okay to have these questions. They had questions, and Paul tried to answer their questions as best he could. And he said, listen, Jesus is coming back. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, verse 17, and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I think that's going to be a fun trip. If you happen to be alive when he comes back. I'm looking forward to that. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul's kind of cutting to the chase too, isn't he? He said, look, we're all going to be with him. Whether you think it's because you're coming out of the ground or you're alive, we're all going to be with him. We're going to be together with the Lord. So just comfort one another with those. I want to comfort you this morning. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you've been sweating it and you've been worried about how all this is going to work out, I want you to know that you're always going to be with him. Whether you're alive, you're with him now. Whether you die, you're going to be with him then. To live is Christ, to die is gain, Paul says. Verse, five, verse 1 of chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. He's talking about unbelievers will not escape whatever's coming. Uh, and if it's the tribulation, see, some people believe that we're going to be raptured out before the tribulation. We're going to miss all of that. I kind of want to be in that camp. <laughs> Just want to be there. I don't know. Some, believe, some people believe it will be in the middle of the tribulation, the seven years of tribulation, that we will exit this earth at that point. I don't know exactly how all that's going to be. I just don't. But I know this. I know Jesus Christ. And he's going to take care of me in the midst of that. But those who are not ready, guys, those that we have been left with a mandate to teach and preach and reach for the kingdom of God, those people that never give their life to Christ, they're going to suffer because of their unbelief. That's why he's put us here on this earth to go out of this building and be the hands and feet of Christ, to be the mouthpiece of Christ. Because when he does come back, those that don't believe are going to be left to suffer. I don't know how all that's going to look, but he's called us to be witnesses. But you, brethren, I love this because Paul says this in verse 4. But you, brethren and sistren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. I believe, I believe that when he talks about a, pray, a woman giving birth, uh, uh, the pains of childbirth, Women that have the sudden contraction. Any women here have a sudden contraction? Were you expecting it? No. But did you understand it? Yeah. Okay. I think that's how it is in a lot of, in a lot of ways for us as Christians. We may not understand everything totally, but, we under, but in, in, when Jesus comes back, he said he's going to come back suddenly or quickly. We might be surprised at that. But we're not going to be surprised at the why and the when in the house because we're going to understand when we are with him. Hey, I understand it. I understand it, God. You're going to, he'll open your eyes to every scripture, every prophecy that you've ever wanted to know about. You're going to, be, you're going to have a revelation at that moment, I believe. You're not going to be left to wonder because we are people of the day. We're not people of the night. 
Therefore, let us not sleep. Now, this is the preparation part. This is what we've got to be about as, as children of light. Therefore, let us not sleep as, as others do. This word sleep here is not about death, as the previous verses. This word sleep is about let us not be unaware. Let us not be uh, slouching. Let us not be apathetic. Let us be alert, he says. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Listen, moms and dad, when, you, when you're committed to, to raising your kids up in a godly home, you've committed to be a watchman on the wall for your children. You've, been, you've committed to be sober and alert for your children, for your family, because the enemy comes. He's seeking whom he may devour, not whom he can devour, whom he may. And when, when, when we say whom he may devour, he has to have permission. And that's why we as moms and dads have got to be watchmen on the wall. We have got to be sober. That word sober means calm and collected in spirit. In other words, we don't need to be frantic moms and dads. We don't need to be worrying, wringing our hands, moms and dads. Well, I just worry about my kids all the time. Listen, if you're worried about your kids all the time, stop. Repent. Because that's a sin. Trust God with your children. Pray for your kids, but quit worrying about them. Worry is, is, is the opposite of faith. Worry is a partner of fear. And so when you say, well, I'm just worried about my kids, that may sound, you might sound like a noble mom, I worry about my kids. That's not a faith-filled mom. Ooh. Faith-filled. Speak over your kids. Speak life. Speak life over your kids. Speak protection over your kids when you send them to school in the morning. Speak Speak the positive things, the word of God, the promises of God over your kids. Don't partner with fear. Listen, listen, when you partner with fear, your kids are going to partner with fear. You're going to pass fear on to your children. And God's called us to be people of faith. But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. In other words, we're supposed to put armor up, put on the armor of God. And this gives us a little bit of variation of the armor of God. He talks about the breastplate of faith and love. Uh, in, in Ephesians 6, he talks about the, pre- the, ble- the breastplate of righteousness. Okay? This is the only time that the armor is mentioned, that love is mentioned as a part of the armor. But I think this is a viable, vital part of the armor of God, and that's love. That we put on the love of Christ when we armor up. Because, listen, we are in a battle. How do you know there's a battle for your children? How many of you know there's a battle that's waging against your marriage? How many of you know there's a battle that's waging against America? Listen, on November the 7th, on, on National Day of Prayer at the courthouse, we're going to pray for America. Right now, in the balance is whether marriage is a man and a woman or marriage is whoever and whoever. And I'm telling you, the Bible is very clear what marriage is defined as. It's one man and one woman. And if this gets voted the other way by the Supreme Court, if, if a few men are going to make the, the destiny of America, listen, we need to pray for those men to make that decision that honors God. So I'm asking you, show up at the courthouse on, on Thursday at noon as we honor God with our presence, but we, we go to the throne room of God through repentance and humbling ourselves and turning from sin so America can be saved. No, the vote's in June. Did I? Well, excuse me. They're, gonna, they're making their decision in May. They'll, pre- they'll present it in June is what I'm understanding. And I hear that there's one judge that's kind of on the fence that can make the difference.
okay? I'm telling you, the fabric of America can be destroyed pretty quickly if, if we're not careful, guys, and if we're not being godly and seeking God. Let us be sober. Put on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You know what he's trying to say here to us to be prepared as a church? We need to grow up. We need to grow up. We cannot be babies anymore. We need accelerated growth in the kingdom of God. We need people to grow up quicker than they've ever grown up before. We need people to quit being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We need people to begin to get out of the milk and get into the meat of the word. We need people to start believing for the impossible. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, I'm very serious because if things continue to go the way they're going in America, the things that I've just said would be against the law. Read it. Read, read what Billy Graham is sending out and Ruth Graham is sending out. Listen, we're at, a, we're, at a, we're at a place in America that's very critical. We got to wake up. Be alert. Be sober. Don't just, oh, and then, you know, I hear more people upset about Jade Helm 15 than they are about the marriage amendment. I hear more junk going back and forth about Jade Helm 15. What are they going to do in Texas? And people are afraid. Their fear is starting to rise up in the church, people. We have nothing to fear. God is on our side. Come on. But I'm telling you, we're at a place that's important for us to be on our knees, on our faces before God. Seek his face. When it comes right down to it, church, it's not just going to be me. It's going to be you. When the laws are made and the laws are contrary to God's purpose and God's will, the Bible says that we obey God, not man. That's what it says. And all over the world, I mean, ISIS is putting these guys down and saying, do you believe in, are you a Christian or not? And if they say they're a Christian, they cut their heads off. Martyrs for the faith. I don't want it to get to that in America, but hey, we've we got to wake up. That's all I can say. Verse 9, for God did not appoint us to wrath or anger or violent emotions, but to obtain or possess salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, that we should live together with him. Whether we wake or we are asleep, whether we're here now or we're going to be with him, that we live life to the fullest. I did a, I got the honor of singing at a funeral yesterday for Lydia Menchaca. Anybody know who that is, Lydia Menchaca? Man, I just heard these testimony after testimony after testimony of her faithfulness, her goodness, you know what? I talk about this breastplate of love. Her grandkids, all of her grandkids got up and spoke at the funeral. And you know what they said? One of them just stuck out at me more than any of the other grandkids. They said, she left us this legacy, and it wasn't material. It wasn't money. They, she didn't leave us, leave us money in, in the bank or a car or a house. I don't know if she left them anything like that. She said, she left us the most important legacy. She left us the love of Christ. That was her legacy. Parents, you're here today. You've committed your children to the Lord. All the rest of you parents are here. You've committed your children to the Lord. What is your legacy going to look like for them? I promise you, they might think that you're leaving them a lot of money. The best thing you can leave them is the love of Christ. 
you can train them up and leave them with that legacy that they would go forward and be living, breathing organisms that impact the kingdom of God and impact the world for Christ. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, verse 11, just as you're doing, just as you're also doing. He didn't say comfort yourself. He said comfort one another. That's what we're called to do. We're called to comfort one another and to edify one another, build one another up. I think many of you are here, you've become a part of Freedom Fellowship because somebody's comforted you, somebody has edified you, somebody said, you're not who everybody else says you are, you're this in Jesus Christ. You're, you're who Jesus says you are. We're big on identity here. We're big on identity in Christ. And once you speak life, listen, this, living well is what God's called us to be about, living the life of Christ. Are you doing that today? Are you on the wall? Are you watching? Are you prepared? Not only for his second coming, but are you prepared to impart Jesus to the world today? It may come a time when you're just backed up against the wall and you've got to. You don't have a choice. But if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the words will come out. You won't have to think of them. You won't have to. You won't even have to. Oh, Lord, what am I supposed to say? He says he will speak for us. Isn't that going to be awesome? It wouldn't matter what anybody said. No fear. You're just going to open your mouth and God's going to say, no telling what's going to happen, but it's going to be beautiful. Could the guys that are getting baptized and the ladies go ahead and get ready? Could y'all stand up and go to your places? So when we close, we can head on back there. And Jeff, can you come on up? I love it. So many people going into water today. Ray Perez is baptizing his three children. Wow. Huh. What, what a legacy. What a legacy. Paul spoke this in 1 Thessalonians 3. Before any of the other, that he, when they asked him the questions... He said this, Now may the God and our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. Not just get by, but increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he, Jesus, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. See, he's coming back. He's bringing the saints with him. Those that are, and the dust may rise, but the glorified, the, the glorified bodies will come into being. And we will, if we're here, when he comes back, we'll be resurrected. We'll, we'll go up in the air to meet him also. And we'll get a glorified body. Listen, I don't know how that's all going to look. I just know it's going to be a beautiful thing. Because Jesus is orchestrating it all. The Father is orchestrating it all. I think the Father is going to be like a great conductor. And all, this, all these things are going to take place. He's going to say, son, it's time. Go get my kids. It's time. Are you going to be ready for that? Are you going to be ready for his coming? Do you love the, even to think about it? I think it's going to be beautiful, guys. Just don't be afraid of his second coming. But let's have a hopeful expectation of his glorious return. But while we wait, let's be an impact. Let's, let's impact the world for the kingdom of God. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's speak the love of Christ into the lives of people around us.
Would you stand this morning? Let's bow your heads. Could I have the ministry team to the front? I want to remind the ministry team, if someone comes forward, it worked beautifully last week, I'll just take them to uh, one of the prayer rooms or to the fellowship hall. If somebody comes forward for prayer for anything this morning. Maybe God said, this is the place I want you to plug in. This is the church body I want you to be a part of. Uh, if, if he's speaking that to you, not me, but if he's speaking that to you, I encourage you to be obedient to that. If you're here this morning, number one, numero uno, is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that today would be the day you would say yes to him. Have your eternal destination sealed today. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I, I'm just going to ask you to, by faith, to step out and come and, and grab the hands of one of, these, one of these fine people up here. And they will take you to a room and explain it to you and pray over you. And, and if you have any questions, that's a, it's such much, so much better to do it outside the, in the front here. You might have questions. You just want to ask them some things. And they would love to answer those questions or try to. But if, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. It's your special day. We encourage you to come, step out and come. If, you're coming, if you've come this morning and you're, you've been doing what I've been saying, you've been asking God for air, give, me, give it all to me. And if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit sometime during the week, just come up and share it with somebody. Or if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let, one of these, let some of these couples pray with you this morning and impart that to you. Because that's what God wants to do in this body, I believe. Before we can go out and be the church He's called us to be, we really need that power. We need to be efficient. So I'm going to ask you to step out and come. If you have a need for physical healing, we've seen so many awesome miracles. We've just seen so many miracles, guys. It's not us, it's God. If you need a miracle today, if you've never, if you've got a physical ailment, we ask you to step out and come. God's, He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than any, any Ill, illness. It says he, he died on the cross for our diseases. So if you need to have a need for prayer this morning for anything, we just ask you to step out and come. So bow your heads real quick. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Some have come, they're just visiting, Lord, and they didn't know what to expect, but you showed up and you spoke to them. Lord, I just bless every person to hear from you this morning, every child, that they would hear from you this morning and be obedient to your call, whatever that is, that they would respond in faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have a need this morning, just step out and come. We'll pray with you. Just step out and come. We'll pray with you. Step out and come. We need prayer this morning for anything. You need prayer for anything. Family situation, marriage, doesn't matter. God's God's concern. God's wants to bring healing into your family into your heart today anybody else decision to follow Christ maybe today is the first time that you've ever really been hurt you've just your spirit's been quickened I need to give my life to Jesus I need to be ready that's the greatest preparation you can ever make is knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior Anybody else? Okay.
y'all maybe y'all y'all can go ahead and go. We're gonna go ahead and start with the baptisms just pretty quickly because we got quite a few. And uh, thank you. Well, uh, pastor's getting ready, and we had just a couple weeks ago Garrison Clay George. He got baptized, so I want to give him his certificate. Way to go, bro. He's been a blessing, I'll tell you. He came down in the kids' church and had a blast. And so it's been an awesome thing. So, Ray Jr., come on down. Be careful. Feel good? Yeah. Get you Mr. Bubbles and you'll be all right. Come on. All right. Have a seat. Face your, face your sister. Is it too hot? Ah, it feels good. You can come sit right there, Lewis. Angelica, you can come sit right there. I want you. You got somebody to take pictures? Oh, you can get up close. No, that's the, no. You'll never see it from there. Any other family members of Ray's that are here today? We all are. Well, we know that. <laughs> I know. Ray's an awesome guy, man. He's Amen. he's a vital part of our men's ministry here. Okay. Well, first of all, let me tell you about baptism. Then I'll turn it over to Ray. Uh, baptism is a beautiful picture of the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even Jesus was baptized. And so as they come today, there's a picture of their, their lives, giving their lives to Christ, and it's symbolic of them going under. You listen to me, Ray? Look here. When you go under the water, it's symbolic of you dying to yourself and being raised up in new life, okay? And so because you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that's why you're doing this. You're identifying with him, you're identifying with his church and with his family. So uh, it's an awesome thing that Ray gets to baptize all of his kids today. Uh, baby Ray, <laughs> I'll call him Baby Ray. He's my baby. Um, I'm reminded of all the times that we prayed together, going to school <laughs> for those that were sick. And, I've, and we've experienced God answer those prayers. And uh, I know God is, has big plans for you. And um, it really means a lot that I get this opportunity to, to baptize you, son. I love you. Baptize you in the name of the Father. The Son and the Holy Spirit. All the way down. All the way down. 
Don't leave, very. Yes. Okay, Angelica. I've seen God just work in you mightily. It's beautiful to see that when a child <coughs> comes to know Jesus, that you know they listen to certain music, right? Kixie, whatever. But and then when they make that transition and they start singing the songs, that's on Caleb and stuff. <laughs> and you just see God just work, working in their lives and transforming them into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And Angelica, God has, it is transforming your heart. Or your heart. <clears throat> and he loves you very much. And also, I want to share that since you've been with me, I, I've seen <clears throat> that God is changing your heart to even to the heart that he's given me, that you want to help others, that you have a heart towards others, to those that are in need. And God has done that, and he's not done. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do with us. I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come on, Lewis. Praise God. <laughs> Lewis. Lewis Matthew. Matthew means gift of God, which indeed he is. And of course, Angelica, angel. And then my daughter, heaven, heavenly. <laughs> and then I have a son. His name's Andrew. He's not present. And his name means manly. And God has made, I, I wish I could share with you the pattern that he's, that he's given. And my children, I didn't even know his name. But, uh, Lewis, Matthew, Matthew, gift of God, indeed you are. God is going to use you mightily. And he has moved in you and is transforming you every day. And it's an honor to, to be able to baptize you as a father. I never thought that I would get this opportunity. I give the God the praise. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> okay, that's beautiful. Elsa? Oh, you want to do Elsa next? Elsie? Elsie. I've always called you Elsa. You never told me different. Elsie Calderon. Calderon. Let's see. This is Elsie, and she uh, said she got saved a long time ago. And never, after last Sunday, she had never really thought anymore about water baptism so much. And uh, 
It just the Lord spoke to you, didn't he, about that? And I just believe it's so important that we follow him in obedience. And that's the first thing he asks us to do after we accept him is to follow him in believer's baptism. So, Ilse, because of your public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. Stay right there. See all your church family out there? They love it. Father, I thank you for Ilse today, and I just blessed her. I know, I know she's already been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I know that, Lord, and your order is always right. It doesn't matter. You, you've got her, and you've got her covered. So I just pray, Father, for renewed strength in her, renewed vision, renewed purpose as she walks after you and she goes after you with everything that she has, Lord. We thank you for her commitment to you today and for her obedience to follow you in believer's baptism. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Elsie. Okay. This is Diana Barrio. She's one of our counselors here at the church. She's going to tell you about this young man that she's going to baptize. All right. This, yeah, come on up, Matt. Does Matt have any family here? Oh, they're ready. There's, there's Nora. If y'all will stand so we can recognize you as Matt's family. Yeah, if y'all want to come take pictures, come on up. I've had the honor of counseling with Matt for a few months now. He was saved. His grandmother actually led him to Christ when he was a teenager. Um, he didn't know at that time what baptism was or that he was supposed to do that. But he understands that now, and he's really been pressing into the things of God. And um, it's just an honor to, to do this for Matt today. Matt, who is Jesus to you? Um, Jesus to me is, is he's my Savior. He's uh, my Father. And most importantly, is one, one thing that I've come to realize in the past few months is is that he's my friend as well, and, and I'm, I'm really coming, becoming really close and forming a really solid relationship, which is incredible. Matt, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Surf's up. If y'all will extend your hands towards Matt, we're going to pray for him. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for Matt. Thank you for his heart for you. In Jesus' name, I call down the Holy Spirit just to come and cover him. I know that you have great plans for Matt's life, Lord. And I know that he needs the Holy Spirit in order to walk those out. He's been trying to do it at un under his own power, and he's doing a pretty good job, but nothing compared to the life that you have ahead for him above and beyond anything that he could ask or imagine. Thank you, Lord, for Matt. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. The other way up, Matt. It's okay. You're good. Ron, come on up. We're going to do Ron and then Pete and then Julio. We got three more to go. I can do this all day. 
be careful, not too fast. Let's have a seat facing that way, Ron. Tell us about what led you to this decision to be baptized, Ron. Well, I had done it a long time ago. Uh, I guess I was in my early teens, and I really didn't know what it meant. And uh, I heard you talking about it last week, about being obedient to God. and That's what I want to do. Amen. Jesus is my everything. <laughs> well, Ron, because of your public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. Well, Father, I thank you for Ron today. He also has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I thank you for renewed, a renewed awakening in his heart as he continues to follow you. And he's hearing you clearly now. And he's being obedient, Father. Father, open the doors that only you can open for this man of God. And, and shut those doors, Lord, that he's not to walk through. And in the days to come, Father, as his purpose and plan is unfolded in his life, Father, give him direction, give him clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Pete. Any of Pete's family here? Y'all come on up. Yeah, here they come. Be careful, Pete. It is nice, isn't it? We've, we've done it, people in ice water up here, so you are very fortunate. Yeah. Who are all these folks here? It's my son, daughter-in-law, my daughter, my granddaughter, and my wife. Isn't that beautiful to have your family here today? That is awesome. Uh, Pete, what brought you to this place today to be water baptized? You know, I haven't ever gone through this step. And I was saved years ago, and it, it just kind of popped into my head. I was like, wait a minute, I've never been water baptized. And we were talking about it before church last week. And then you prayed about it. So God's ordained this, hadn't he? Okay. We all stretch your hands out here to uh, Pete. Father, I thank you for Pete. And I thank you for his public profession of faith. That's what he's doing today. He's telling everybody, I love Jesus. Because of that, it's my honor to baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. See, I didn't know when y'all came today, y'all were going to need to witness all this. Amen? Well, Father, I thank you for Pete today, and I bless him with the power of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the one that baptizes us in the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit. Empower him to be the, to be the man that you've called him to be, to lead his family, Lord. I thank you for his witness to his family and the example that he sets before them today. Live through him. Strengthen him. Father, direct his steps as he puts his hand in your hand today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Pete. That was a weak little clap. Come on. Yeah, that's better. Julio. Julio Valencia. Julio almost, we almost got missed this guy. I didn't want to miss anybody that said, be, be careful, take it, take it slow. Take it slow. There you go. Have a seat. 
and face that way, Julio. Is this your family with you today? Okay. Tell me about what brought you to this place of water baptism. I've been coming to this church for a while, and uh, the love that I received from the people here and you, I remember when you were sick, and then I saw you get well, and just just the presence of the Lord in, this, in the house. Have you ever been water baptized? I was water baptized when I was 24, but it was mainly because there was nobody else to baptize. Ah. And uh, when you told me you were 47 when you got baptized, I'm 47. And I, <laughs> I decided to get baptized yes, last week. Amen. Well, baptism is about obedience. And I believe that with obedience, just God's going to open some doors for you that you've never seen open before. It's going to be beautiful. So, Father, I thank you for Julio today. I thank you for his commitment to you. Because of his public profession of faith in you as his Lord and Savior, it's my privilege to baptize my brother in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's just pray for this for Julio today. Stretch your hands out. Last is not the least, all right? Father, I thank you for Julio. I thank you for his commitment to you today. Holy Spirit, come. Just envelop him with liquid love. Just pour down from the top of his head to the bottom of his toes uh, an invigorating presence of your power to move in and through this young man as he moves forward in his faith, Lord, today. I thank you for his renewed commitment to you. Thank you for his family, and I pray blessings upon all of them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all rejoice in what God's doing yes. here? Amen. Come on, y'all. Give, him, give God a big hand today, man. I'll tell you, blessings are just everywhere. Y'all just thank you, Jesus. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm used to getting downstairs, getting fired up with 109 kids. And um, I'll tell you what, I'm fired up just being with you adults today. So this has been a blessing for me. But I do have something very important to talk to you about. We have over 81 people going to kids camp. We have about 20 that are going to youth. It's about twelve dollars to $15,000 to get all our kids to camp. We try to do a lot of fundraisers here within the church so that we can support to help the families come up with the money so it's not such a burden on them. And it's very difficult sometimes for parents and children to show up for these fundraisers during the weekend. So I prayed about it, and God, we put, a, put together a discount card and so that parents can take these, raise some funds for their kids so that they have an opportunity to be able to have the funds for